And this is Tree Song. And it is Earth Day. Did you know that? It's Earth Day. Happy Earth Day. The Earth gets one day, and we have a lot of happenings talking about the Earth. Yes. Oh, and it looks like I didn't press record in time to get uh, the, the intro to my daughter on the recording. So shout out to Bedelia Rose. Welcome into the world. <laughs> it's like... And now we're actually recording the show. A few things that will happen today is the fourth Friday fair downtown, and that is the fourth Friday of every month. But it's Earth Day this time. And so let's bring some sad news. Yes, sad news. It's news about the Earth, actually. NASA. Melting ice sheets is changing how the Earth rotates. Oh, this sucks. I just read a book about how the end of the world almost happened because of, um, anyway, that driven by dwindling polar ice, climate change is actually changing the way the earth spins. New research show melting ice sheets are contributing to the change in polar motion. Polar motion sounds like a fun dance move. Polar motion. (laughs) Doing the polar motion. A term scientists use to describe the, quote, periodic wobble and drift of the poles, end quote. A researcher at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory said that there has, quote, been a dramatic shift since 2000, and while it's not seen as dangerous, this shift is due to climate change without a doubt, end quote. Greenland and Antarctica combined are losing more than 400 billion Now, I'm not done. Billion tons of ice per year. And smaller glaciers around the world are also losing mass, contributing to the shift. Because, I mean, before we had a lot of weight at the poles. Yeah. And if it melts, then it goes down to the equator. And um, if you've ever seen a top spin, it spins faster if there's weight around the middle, right? Yeah. And if you change the balancing of the top, it'll spin differently. So just imagine if you took a top and you shaved a little bit off one part, glued it onto another part. Gluing ice. Yeah. I can't visualize that. But I'm going to try it sometime. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad at least that it's not currently considered to be a dangerous change. But still, it shows the magnitude of the changes we're creating with uh, global warming. We're melting so much ice that the entire planet is tilting a little bit differently. Well, that's going to screw me up when I, like, do calculations for solar. Yeah. (laughs) Because right now I have all these calculations based on the current 22.5% wobble in each direction. Yeah. You know, it's like... You might have to change a percentage point there. (laughs) So, all right, can you say this in, like, a mad WWE voice? Yeah. We just crushed the global record for a hottest start of any year. Yeah! <laughs> crushed it. Crushed it. So NASA reports that this was the hottest three-month start, January to March, of any year on record. It beat the previous record, which was just set in 2015, by a stunning 0.7 degrees Fahrenheit or 0.39 degrees Celsius. And it's not like we started this record recently. We've been recording this for well over 100 years. Yeah. Normally, such multi-month records are measured in the hundredths of a degree. Because, you know, for uh, a record that is over three months' time, it's 
it's usually very little fluctuation year to year in that kind of an average. But but yeah, 0.7 degrees Fahrenheit or 0.39 degrees Celsius. Last month was the hottest February on record by far. It followed the hottest January on record by far, which followed the hottest December by far. You, you get the impression, November, October. Some people may detect a pattern here. We reported a few weeks ago that last month was the hardest March in the global satellite record. It was also the hottest March on record by far in the data set of the Japan Meteorological Agency as the World Meteor- Meteorological Organization tweeted on Thursday. I love how they like shared the information. <laughs> They're like, we could put it in a journal or we could tweet it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure they will publish results about it too, <laughs> but like... tweets are slightly faster than peer-reviewed journals. <laughs> As has been the story all winter, the biggest and most worrisome warming, of course, is occurring in the Arctic. Indeed, as reported on Wednesday, blistering temperatures over Greenland jump-started the summer melt season, with 12% of Greenland's massive ice sheet melting by Monday. Hmm. What? (laughs) They're just like beating the previous record by a month. Yeah. Even though 2015 crushed, absolutely crushed, the previous record for the hottest year, <laughs> which of course was set in 2014. Yeah. <laughs> like, it seems increasingly likely that 2016 will top 2015, even as the current El Nino fades. Yeah. So the current El Nino is fading, and yet the temperatures are still record setting. El Niños generally lead to global temperature records as the short-term El Niño warming adds to the underlying long-term global warming trend. But as we reported last month, we're blowing out the temperature records set during the last big El Niños. Blowing it out, man. So, yeah. Like, You're better at that voice than me. <laughs> Just, yeah. The bottom line is that we are being warmed and warned globally at an alarming rate thanks to human-caused carbon pollution. Yeah. Now, what are people doing about it? Well, 250 faith leaders demand nations ratify climate deal. That was the one that happened in Paris recently. So all these nations said they would do it, but they haven't signed on the line yet. Yeah. So it's like, hey, we'll say we'll do it, but you can't hold us to it. Yeah, they said that sounds like a great idea, and they're hoping nobody notices if they don't sign on. Former UN climate chief Christina Figueres has credited faith groups for helping to advance the Paris Climate Agreement by supporting, quote, holistic, equitable, and of all ambitious climate action, end quote. Now, faith leaders are going one step further. They're calling for the immediate ratification of the landmark international accord to curb global climate change. So, I don't understand. They had the agreement in Paris, mm-hmm. but they haven't ratified it. I thought that's what they do there. Yeah, well, they. it's funny in the process. You know, they spend all of that time and effort getting together just to say what the agreement ought to be. And then it takes time for the countries to actually sign on, ratify it. So in December, 196 countries adopted the Paris Agreement which aims to limit warming to well below 2 degrees Celsius, or 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit, above pre-industrial levels, 
While nations have agreed to the language of the accord, 55 parties to the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change, representing at least 55% of total greenhouse gas emissions, must still ratify the agreement for it to be to enter into force. So it's not even everybody has to sign it, just the majority. Yeah, just the majority. And that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So everybody's agreed on the wording in it, but nobody's actually signed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think I think there's been some ratification. I forget exactly how many, but definitely not the 55 parties representing 55% yet. So Monday's interfaith statement on climate change urges, quote, all heads of state to promptly sign and ratify the Paris Agreement. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) More than 80 groups and 3,600 individuals of Jewish, Buddhist, Hindu, Christian, and Muslim faith have signed on, including the Dalai Lama, the head of the World Council of Churches, and several Catholic cardinals. The declaration was assembled by a coalition of environmentally-minded religious organizations. So just like all the different nations got together to hash out the scientific and political details, the uh, different religious groups have gotten together to say ethically why they believe we should do it. Which is big. Yeah, it's big news. So it's not only countries have said they're going to do it. Now religious groups have said it needs to happen. What does that leave now? The people who control the purse strings. Yeah. (laughs) So here's a quote. Uh, The time for action is not five years from now. It's not ten years from now. It's now. Reverend Fletcher Harper, Executive Director of Green Faith, said in an interview. So the statement advocates the swift reduction of heat-trapping greenhouse gas emissions. It also calls for 100% renewable energy by 2050 and financing to help developing nations adapt to the hazards of a changing climate persistent with persistent drought, extreme heat, dangerous storms, and rising seas. Quote, climate change is hugely consequential for the developing world where many countries have started to climb out of absolutely horrendous poverty to begin to enjoy a more decent life, said Harper. You've got storm activity that threatens to destroy the infrastructure that countries have begun to build. You've got previously fertile agricultural regions becoming drought-stricken and barren. Climate change puts poverty on steroids. Now, that's one of the things that they touch on that I think is important for people to remember. People sometimes think of it as the environment, you know, that what we're doing is we're changing the environments. And we are. But a lot of people base their ethics on the effects on humans. And you can be guaranteed that if we go up two degrees Celsius or more, a lot of humans are going to suffer. Well, I think it used to be that we talked about the effects on climate on the environment. Yeah. Now we're talking about the effects of climate on humans. Yeah. And that's who needs to know because that's who is changing the climate. Yeah. And so we can stop our behavior and therefore stop changing the climate. Yeah. And save ourselves from killing ourselves. Yeah. Now, officially, the U.S. solar market is now one million solar installations strong. Sometime around the end of February. Remember, the hottest month on record. <laughs> yeah. The millionth solar installation came online in the United States, a milestone that says as much as about where the solar industry is going as it does about how far the industry has come. It took us 40 years to get to, wait, this is a quote, quote, it took us 40 years to get to a million installations and it will take us only two years to get to two million. 
Sedan Whitam, Vice President of Communications at the Solar Energy Industries Association. This is a time to mark when the solar industry started to accelerate at warp speed, end quote. <laughs> warp speed ahead. <laughs> so. At the end of 2015, the U.S. solar market hit a total capacity of 27 gigawatts. That represents just 1% of the current U.S. electricity mix, but it could triple to 3% by 2020. This year alone, the U.S. solar market is projected to grow 119%. Now, how many industries can you say are experiencing that kind of growth right now? Well, I mean, that's the interesting thing is how quickly it's ramping up, but how much of, I mean, like, there's been backlash against solar, mm-hmm. and it's only, it's only hit 1% of the actual energy. Yeah. So it's interesting how quickly it's ramping up, but how far we still have to go. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we're throwing all these statistics out. And, yes, solar is growing tremendously. I mean, it's going to double in the next three years. Yeah. Well, I think that's why. It's going to triple in the next six years. I think that's why some of the anti-solar legislators and such are coming up with these bills that slow down solar is because they're afraid. You know, they see how strong solar is growing on its own and they try to stop it. But solar is not going to be stopped that easily. Watch on Twitter. There are two new trends. One of them is solar is now or solar now. But this new one, the Solar Energy Industries Association will run a campaign called uh, hashtag million solar strong to raise awareness and show, you know, pictures and statistics of things that have been installed. And there's some big systems. Yeah. This campaign includes a social media thunderclap on may 3rd yeah those are kind of fun it's where you support a cause and so you sign up and then everybody tweets at the same time it's it creates a thunderclap of uh buzz on the internet (laughs) yeah so here's a quote we want to open this conversation and let people know that we are now part of the energy mainstream we're central to any discussion about america's energy future very true i mean it's it's the conventional fossil fuels are kind of freaking out now because they're going bankrupt and they're no longer an economically viable product yet renewable energy is only a small percentage of our existing energy mix so renewable energy has a long ways to go and our existing energy is collapsing so we better step up so it's like Mm It's like a scary time, an exciting, thrilling, exhilarating time, right? Yeah, it's a roller coaster ride. <laughs> it's like... Here in other news, a new campaign calls for polluters to pay for what they break. What? <laughs> Imagine that if you had to pay for things that you broke. Environmental pollution used to be an inconsequential act for industries and communities. You know, you pollute a bunch, you pay a small fine, no big deal, right? Yet as science has evolved and explained the many effects of pollution, including climate change, the notion of having a free pass to pollute has ended. The big question now is often not how or what is being affected by pollution, but who should pay for it. For Vien Trung, director of Green for All, the answer is simple. Whoever creates the pollution should pay for it. Wait a second. That's like what grandma and mom said. You make a mess, you clean it up. Yeah. Well, now grandma and mom are telling the polluters to do the same. <laughs> Here's a quote. We are calling for polluters to pay for what they break, to make polluters pay for what they do to our communities, said Trung. To make the statement a reality, 
This week, Green for All, a group focused on giving people of color a voice in the environmental movement, launched a national campaign for each state to create a polluters pay fund. Trung said the funds would go to environmentally and economically disadvantaged communities via programs that communities develop. So the communities themselves develop programs to help, you know, ameliorate the harm done by environmental damage, and it gets funded by the polluters. The way this would work, according to Green for All, is that as states draft plans to reduce their carbon, they would make polluters pay for their carbon allowances given under the Clean Power Plan, and then invest that money back into the communities hardest hit by their pollution. Essentially, it would be a carbon tax, an anathema concept for many politicians. But it makes, it makes a certain sense, you know, if they're reducing carbon emissions and the government gets money from that, they should spend that money on communities that have been most harmed by pollution. You, you fix what you break. There you go. It is Earth Day, so we should fix the Earth, or at least, you know, throw a big cake. <laughs> yeah, happy Earth Day to you. So... It's also National Jelly Bean Day. I don't know why it's on the same day because, <laughs> yeah. you know, it is not even slightly natural. No. <laughs> it might be for all I know, but it doesn't seem like it. I wonder if National Jelly Bean Day came first and then Earth Day overshadowed it. <laughs> <laughs> Just like. So, ooh, Lover's Day is coming up on Saturday. It's also National Zucchini Bread Day. Of course, they hold this on a time when there's not much zucchini, so people aren't sick of zucchini. Yeah. <laughs> but... And it's Take a Chance Day, so take a chance and bake some zucchini bread for your lover. But it's World Laboratory Day, so you can make some experiments on making zucchini (laughs) for your lover. (laughs) Take a chance. Yes. Also coming up, we have East Meets West Day. Ooh, and World Penguin Day on Monday. Tuesday is Hug an Australian Day. I don't know any Australians. Hmm. The only Australian I know lives in Australia. (laughs) It's like... Well, we'll send a digital hug out to all the Australians. Also coming up, we have uh, Tell a Story Day on Wednesday. Now, I'm an author. I like storytelling. So I will try to be sure to do some writing on Wednesday. Well, Thursday is Great Poetry Reading Day and Kiss Your Mate Day. <laughs> so. Uh, and Take Your Daughter to Work Day on the fourth Thursday of the month. She might be too young to take to work yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my daughter is still only six days old. She's a little young. We actually <laughs> thought about bringing her here to the studio today, but she she would cry too much to actually be in the booth. So. There uh, you go. They, they, they still have that native plant giveaway. Yes, the native plant giveaway. It There's ha- been so much buzz about it. And people have been wanting more plants than there are available. <laughs> yeah. So they've like, at this point, you can, you're allowed one native plant <laughs> per person per day. And today's the last day. So, um, yeah, my mom told me about it and she showed me the little plants that she, I forget. She had a, got a cone flower. I remember that and another flower. And that was before you only could get one. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so that is today. From 10 till 2, SIU's Environmental Club, Students Embracing Nature, Sustainability, and the Environment, invites you to take home a native plant, and that's at the Student Center from 10 until 2. Well, let's see. No, today is in the Fainer Breezeway. Yeah, it started in the Student Center, it looks like, but then Friday, (coughs) uh, Fainer Breezeway. So that's exciting. 
We have also coming up since today is Earth Day, it's time for the All Species Puppet Parade. This is coming up today at 4.30 p.m. at the Life Community Center. The All Species Puppet Parade, they're meeting at the Life Community Center, 2500 West Sunset at 4.30. Kickoff is at 5. If you, ha- uh, they, if you haven't made a puppet, you can come early. They will have some extras, and you can bring a chair and watch all the beloved puppetistas parade the species. It's an exciting way to celebrate Earth Day and celebrate all the wonderful species that we share this planet with. Today is the fourth Friday fair. Fourth Friday fair. I almost fumbled that. (laughs) Presenting Earth Day. A seasonal favorite is set to celebrate evenings in the sun by revering the planet Mother Earth herself. That is tonight from 6 until 9 p.m. at the Town Square Pavilion. And... This used to be the Friday night fairs were every Friday, but now it's sw- shifted over to the fourth Friday fair to once a month. Each fair will have a special theme. For example, biking on May 27th and Latin heritage on September 23rd. It says, in addition, those who are 21 or older may legally bring alcohol to the fairs as long as it's not in glass containers. Cole said the Friday night fairs are slated to feature the same family-friendly activities of years past, including a giant Jenga game, coloring stations, bead-making booth, food vendors, flower painting with the Carbondale Park District, and bounce houses. (laughs) Sounds like a really good time. Yep. So tonight, two bands are scheduled to perform the SWATE, the Southern Illinois West African Drumming Ensemble, which of course specializes in traditional percussion. Also performing will be a local favorite, Swamp Tigers. Swamp Tigers. So we got some big-time bands going to play tonight. It's a fun family atmosphere, and it's a party, and it's fun, and there's fun things. <laughs> I don't think they'll let me in the bouncy house, though. I mm. might bounce all the kids right out. Yeah, I wonder if they've got a sign, you must be this short to enter in the bouncy <laughs> house. Like, <laughs> you must be this. Yeah, It's going to be a really good show. For more information about the Fourth Friday Fairs, of course, go to CarbondaleMainStreet.com. All right. In other happenings, we have the Pollinator Garden Workshop with Scott Martin, beekeeper and USDA soil conservationist. Wide-scale pesticide use and habitat loss is destroying natural pollinators. Learn how to build a small native garden to provide food, shelter, and nesting areas for our pollinating friends. This is coming up on Sunday from 2 to 4 p.m. at the Sufi Park Organic Community Garden at 500 North Springer in Carbondale. For more information, you can call 618-713-1378 or email sufipark at diami.net. And we do have a lot of happenings because people email them to us, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Also on Sunday, Paganism Art Reception, Be the Change. The spiritual theme for the month of April for Guy House's Be the Change series is paganism. What better way to celebrate paganism than with pagan art? Guy House and the Southern Illinois Pagan Alliance will celebrate pagan art all month long with displays of personal spirituality. Join for a reception Sunday, April 24th from 2 to 4 p.m. to celebrate that old-time religion and all the iconic art that goes along with it music to be determined 
I almost said the old time religion, like sang it. So, <laughs> yeah. Give me that old time religion. religion. <laughs> it's good enough for me. Yeah. Open to the public. Refreshments available. Paganism art reception Sunday, two to four at Gaia House. Yeah. It's always fun when we have art shows like that at Guy House because then I get to see the art around uh, in the lead up to the show. And there's some beautiful art there. Also coming up, continuing the conversation on Tuesday at 7 p.m. at the SIU Newman Center. Each week, a group of community members meets on Tuesday night for continuing the conversation. Their purpose is to build an interracial community based on listening respectfully to each other's life stories. Now, I've been to a few of these. I've missed the past couple because I have been busy getting ready for the baby. But they've had some great conversations, and they really are working on building You're the community. dad. What do you have to do to get ready for a baby? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, get, get the house ready. Get, well, we spent a, a week with the labor process itself. So Whoa. It, that was, that took, yeah. <laughs> that was quite yeah. an intense experience. I was being kidding. I was, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, everything we can do to get ready for the baby. And I, I'm glad we did because we, we've got the baby there now. So, yeah, that's coming up on Tuesday at 7 p.m., continuing the conversation. Really good discussion on building interracial community. If you pick up a copy of The Existing Nightlife, on page four, there's a good article about cooking farm to fork. That's because the SIU Sustainability Office has partnered with six local agriculture producers to showcase sustainably grown foodstuff on Tuesday, April 26th at 7 p.m., this buffet dinner at the Old Main Restaurant in the Student Center includes salad, two meal options, and dessert. And the article it says, you know, what kind of food? And I, I don't want to read it because I'll get, like, I started reading it. I'm, like, starving right now. <laughs> yeah. And it shows what farmers, you know, what they're putting in, what it's growing. Um, this is a substantial dinner. Go to sustainability.siu.edu for the full menu and, of course, to secure a seat because it's by reservation only. Yeah, and if you're salivating just reading about the menu, then I'm sure you'll have a great time when you get there. <laughs> I don't. Jalapeno, strawberry glaze. Yeah, okay. Um, it's just <laughs> like I better get my ticket as soon as I get off the – quick, let's finish the show so yeah. I can get a ticket. So Questions of Faith and Reality is coming up on Wednesday at 6 p.m. at Guy House Interfaith Center. At Questions, people from different faiths and beliefs come together and listen to each other's thoughts on the many questions of life. They use a talking stick. They take turns talking about the questions they've written down. It's a pretty good time. Wednesday at 6 p.m. at Guy House. Let's see. Mark your calendar for a few events happening next weekend. We didn't end up playing that song, huh? Oh, we, we didn't. We could go yeah. out on that. I have a song set up because um, I've been wanting to play stuff this month because May Day is coming up, and May Day is International Workers' Day. So some things that are coming up next weekend, the 16th annual For Kids' Sake Art Auction Closing Reception. We'll try to announce it again next week. That is at Long Branch. 6 to 8.30 p.m. And the anticipated opening of the Carbondale Tool Library starting April 30th. The Carbondale Tool Library, I understand they have over 300 tools and it'll be a lending library. And they'll also have um, some workshops so you can learn how to use some of those tools. So, well, you don't break them. 
<laughs> so yeah. you will have to, you know, sign the tool use policy and the liability waiver, of course. But once you become a member, checking out tools is completely free. Good deal. It's also coming up next weekend, the Labyrinth Walk at 7.30 a.m. on Sunday. Not this Sunday, but next Sunday. And the Southern Illinois AIDS Candlelight Vigil is not this Sunday, but next Sunday, May 1st, 6 p.m. at Church of the Good Shepherd. And I want to finish this with a little uh, depressing statistic. Number of chemicals that the World Health Organization has evaluated for their carcinogenic potential since 1971. 985. How many of those chemicals do you think they found that had no cancer potential? <laughs> I don't know. Exactly one. <laughs> so since 1971, the World Health Organization has evaluated 985 chemicals, and only one of them is probably not carcinogenic. <laughs> so a lot of carcinogens Let me leave you with that wonderful statistic. <laughs> yes. All the more reason to eat healthy food and try to keep the environment clean. And see you out for a little dancing at the Earth Day celebration at the 4th Friday Fair downtown. All right. We're going with track two here, I believe. Mm-hmm. See you next week on the radio. The poem titled Eight Hours was written by I.G. Blanchard in 1866. About six years later, Blanchard's poem was set to music by the Reverend Jesse H. Jones, who was closely associated with Boston's eight-hour league. The song became a rallying cry during the 1886 strike wave that demanded an eight-hour working day. We mean to make things over. We're tired of toil for naught, with bare enough to live on and ne'er an hour for thought. We want to feel the sunshine, and we want to smell the flowers. We're sure that God has willed it, and we mean to have eight hours. We're summoning our forces from shipyard, shop, and mill. Eight hours for work, eight hours for rest, eight hours for what we will. From the factories and the workshops, in long and weary lines, from all the sweltering forges, from all the sunless mines, wherever toil is wasting the force of life to live, its bent and battered armies come to claim what God doth give. And the blazon on its banner doth with hope the nations fill. Eight hours for work, eight hours for rest, eight hours for what we will. The voice of God within us is calling us to stand, erect as is becoming to the work of his right hand. Should he to whom the maker his glorious image gave, the meanest of his creatures crouch, a bread and butter slave? Let the shout ring down the valleys and echo from every hill. Eight hours for work, eight hours for rest, eight hours for what we will.